Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzer Sportscast. I'm your host, Perry Mortios, alongside Ryan Swimmer. And today, guys, we have a great episode on tap, so let's get straight to it. A lot of interesting topics, fun topics we're going to be discussing today. Starting off, I think there's only one place we can really start off after that embarrassing performance in Germany in the 10 6 loss, where, you know, everything that went wrong seemed to go wrong um, with the New England Patriots. They're 2 8. Worst record at this point in the season since 2000, um, the year before Tom Brady. Um, we can do a lot of interesting stats about the Tom Brady-Mac Jones comparison, stuff like that. But, Swin, what did you see with the game on Sunday specifically? Um, I mean, you saw Mac Jones struggle once again. Um he might have had one of the worst interceptions I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, dare I say the worst in NFL history. I mean, that was one of the easiest throws every quarterback makes 10 out of 10 times, especially it was in the red zone as well. Um, one thing I noticed, and at this point, they're doing a really good job if they are, but that the Patriots should have won that game. You, you missed a field goal. That Mac Jones red zone interception, and then, and then you put Zappy in in the in the two minute drill, and, and and by then it's just too late. You you didn't really give Zappy a fair shot there. So at the, at that point, I think they were just trying to figure out whatever works. But I've said this weeks ago. It's uh we're at a lost season here. We just gotta start getting ready for twenty twenty four because I mean there's just no direction that is gonna be the right answer for this team. So it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, and, you know, coming out of the bye week, which they have this week, um, they're going to have the Giants, which is going to be an absolutely massive game for draft positioning. I'm hoping, me personally, that they lose that. But I agree. I mean, I don't think Mac Jones... Mac Jones was a massive issue in this game. Um, Right up there with the pass protection, allowed 66% pressure rate, which is just really astronomical. Um, But... That that interception, he missed a couple other receivers just on throws that, you know, high-level NFL quarterbacks usually make that we thought he would be making after that really encouraging rookie year in 2021. And you start to wonder, really, how did it get this back this quickly? And, you know, whether it's changing the system now th- three times in three years, the lack of ability around him, just it, it's it's really, really just the playbook on how to ruin a young quarterback. And I think, you know, he's Max had bad games before and he played, he played poorly against the Cowboys, poorly against the Saints, poorly against the commanders last week. But I think this was the game where we truly saw the breaking of Mac Jones. And I think there's no way that you can start him against the Giants coming out of the bye. I think it's gotta be Zapier, Will Greer at this point. Um, I, I just, I, I just don't know how after that interception, which was so brutal. I wouldn't be shocked if that's his last pass ever in a Patriots uniform. And in that case, it would be the similar thing to the guy that he was trying to replace, Tom Brady, whose last pass in a Patriots uniform was also picked off. But I, I think at this point with Mac Jones, it's he's broken beyond repair. He needs to go to a completely different system for his career. There needs to be a – I would bench Mac Jones at this point without a doubt. Absolutely, and I'm going to take this in a little more positive direction here because, I mean, for weeks and weeks we've been saying Mac Jones is the problem. I mean, 
if you haven't realized that now, I, I don't know what team you're watching on Sundays. But I will say this, the defense, even without Judon and Gonzalez, has continued to to show, even even against an underrated Colts offense with Pittman, Minshew's been playing good, Josh Downs has really emerged for them as a young wide receiver, especially with uh, Jonathan Taylor starting to get back to that full workload. Uh, they only held them to 10 points. Um, I found that pretty impressive. The offense did not help out our defense at all. I mean, the defense has been on the field majority of the games. Mac Jones uh, leads the league with 10 interceptions, and Mac Jones took five sacks. So he, he's making the defense up. They, they held the Colts to 10, po- uh, 10 points this week, and, and, and that just goes to show you, you hold the team to 10 points, you should win the game. The Patriots have over and over again lost these games where the defense has done their job. So I give all I give a lot of credit to the defense because they're really showing up. They're they're creating turnovers. They're creating opportunities for the Patriots on their own on uh, in the, the Colts territory, trying to get them points. And and somehow the Patriots still end up usually walking away with zero or even three points. They just they just can't find the end. Yeah, not being able to capitalize on turnovers, especially after that Miles Bryant interception where they got the ball at the other side of the 50. Definitely heartbreaking. But in terms of how did we get to this point, right? How did this team get this badly fourth year post Tom Brady, but one playoff appearance where I thought, you know, was a good sign. I thought that Mac Jones would be a hit. Um, at the time he got drafted, I said it on the podcast a couple years ago, but since 2015, right, eight years of drafts, 2015 through 2022, let's just name their top first three rounds picks, right? So the first round pick since 2015, Malcolm Brown, Isaiah Wynn, Sony Michelle, Nikhil Harry, Mac Jones, Cole Strange. Unless Cole Strange gets a second, uh, second contract for this team, none of these guys will get a second contract. That's... I mean, Swin, stop me if you hear anybody that's impactful on that list. I mean, we could talk about Nikhil Harry with the Debo Samuel, and you could have had Tyron McLaurin, you could have had A.J. Brown, and we've done that before. But these picks, I mean, especially these, you know, seven guys is just awful, just abysmal. And then you go into the second round, and it might get worse. You got Jordan Richard as safety, who got absolutely torched in Super Bowl 52. Cyrus Jones, who's out of the league. Duke Dawson, who never played a snap. Joe Juan Williams, who stunk. Kyle Duggar, who's, I guess, an impactful player. I'll give you a hit on Duggar. Josh Uche, who's been good. And um, Christian Barmore, who looks like him. Then you got Tyquan Thorne, who has 25 career catches, who George Pickens got taken two picks after. So maybe maybe I'll give you a hit on Duggar, and I'll give you maybe on, maybe on Uche or Barmore. Barmore looks like a star. Uche's probably going to be gone after this year. But still, at this point, no second contracts for these guys in round two. Now round three. Edge, Genio Grissom. I don't even know who that is. Joe Tooney, who is a good player. Definitely a hit. Um, didn't get a second contract from the team. Jacoby Brissett, backup quarterback in the third round, fine. Vincent Valentine, missed. Derek Rivers, awful. Antonio Garcia, bust. Chase Winovich, stinks. Damian Harris is a running back who's not playing with the Bills. Yanni Kajust, stinks. Anthony Jennings, it's awful. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, the tight end draft, both out of the league. Ronnie Perkins at edge. Marcus Jones, who is an all-pro. So, 
let's give Duggar, Tooney, and maybe on Barmore and or Marcus Jones there. That's two to four guys, really. I mean, no, none of these guys have gotten a second contract from the team. Zero. So, I, I, I don't really know what to say about this. This is absolutely abysmal. Yeah, it's um, it's really bad, and I mean, you see what other teams are doing. I, they're finding these guys. I mean, the Titans drafted AJ Brown after us, like you said. Seattle drafted DK Metcalf. I mean, these are all guys, as you mentioned, after Nikhil Harry. Um, one thing I want to highlight is more specifically in detail is the um 2022 Patriots draft class. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run through some names here. Ready? So here we go. First round, Cole Strange. He's okay. A lot of people called him a reach. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all saw, saw Sean McVay's reaction after the Patriots drafted him, saying that he was like a fourth or fifth round pick. Anyway, Tyquan Thornton has three catches for 15 yards this season. Marcus Jones is on the IR. All right, nothing you can do there. He seems to be okay. Jack Jones, they just cut. Pierre Strong, they've already traded. Bailey Zappi, they cut, and then they, they Kevin Harris cut, now on the practice squad. Uh, Sam Roberts has played 92 snaps this season in the 10 games. Uh, Jason Hines, cut. Andrew Stubert, cut. So let me just count these real quick. You got one, two, three, four, five. Five out of the seven rounds here been cut that's really 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 bad uh that's terrible drafting i mean it goes to show i mean if you draft that bad you're going to be two and eight for a very long time and you know you see what these other teams have have built you you got to find players young players you gotta you gotta find value in drafts you're not gonna just build teams in free agency you gotta kind of kind of bring these guys up like the Chiefs drafted Tyree Kill fairly late in the draft um I mean even Mahomes was a, a fifth uh, a, a mid first round pick he wasn't a, a top five picks so you you got to find these that are valuable I mean you look at what Pittsburgh's doing they're unbelievable at drafting receivers Antonio Brown um uh Deontay Johnson uh, even George Pickens, who I know is having a little trouble right now, but he's still a good player, right? So time and time again, you've seen Bill Belichick miss on these picks. And as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, is I still think Belichick's a good coach, but if you're going to get rid of him as the GM of the Patriots, I also think you got to let him go as a coach. I don't think it's going to work where he's going to stay the coach and, and give up yeah, uh, just an awful draft. And then, so you've combined bad drafting with bad, including recent drafts, and then you get the free agent class of 2021, which was supposed to revitalize the team. Matt Judon's hit. Jalen Mills, Davin Godshaw, Henry Anderson, Nelson Aguilar, Johnny Smith. Awful. I'll give you three guys. I'll give you Judon, Henry, and Bourne, maybe. I, I have like 10 guys here. I, so... Not to mention, you know, swapping out Jacoby Myers for Juju Smith-Schuster. So you've got a combination of a GM who clearly can't draft or evaluate talent in Bill Belichick, a coach that's too stuck in his ways and is putting good players in the doghouse when you're 2-8, and eight, um, 
another problem. Combined with a quarterback who's clearly broken and has had to deal with three offensive systems, and that's how you add up to a two and ATM. I mean, that's that's pretty straightforward on how to ruin a franchise in four years. They have as many losses, um, I believe, as many losses that they did in the entire Tom Brady era. I heard that sad. I was like, whoa. Mac Jones has already lost the same amount of home games as Tom Brady did at home. So, I, I, I don't know what to say, but that that'll close the Patriots conversation for now. Whether Bill Belichick leaves or not is something we'll get into a little bit later as well. But Swin and I both agree that Mac Jones needs to be benched. With that, let's hit into our next segment um, where we're going to just run four down, four MVP awards, um, midseason NFL awards. It's a little late. We're a week late. But MVP, there's some interesting candidates, Swin. Who do you see, you know, in contention for this award right now? So the MVP historically, as we all know, has been a very quarterback-based award. They basically call it the the quarterback award, right? So, you know, obviously I think Tyree Kill should be in the conversation. We all know he's not going to be. Same with Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to be. So I've I've eliminated my my uh, pick down to the um, quarterback position and you know, it it's hard it's hard not to pick Jalen Hurts. I mean, just the value he's got rushing upside, he can pass. I mean, you've seen what they've done to offenses time again and again and again. That's they're, they're throwing all over the place. And you know, most people think, Oh, running quarterbacks can't throw like Lamar, Hurts, you know, people like that. And um it definitely helps that he has AJ Brown. So my pick is is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts um, is at or near the top of the leaderboard. My preseason pick was Justin Herbert, who it just seems has not done enough. Patrick Mahomes, I think we all know, can still make a run. I think two is still in there uh, with what he's done. And then I'd like to highlight a non-quarterback here as well, Tyree Kill. Um, if none of these quarterbacks end up separating themselves from each other, I could see a situation where Tua, uh, excuse me, where Tyreek if he if he hits two thousand yards, even gets to twenty one hundred, maybe I, I I see a hard time in a year in which a quarterback really hasn't been dominant. Everybody has their problems. Tua, you know, you blame his success on Tyreek. Brock Purdy hasn't done enough. C.J. Stroud has been good, but I don't know if he's been MVP level. He's definitely gonna win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And then you get Jalen Hurts, who's had a lot of turnovers. So there's a clear path. You know, if Patrick Holmes doesn't make a late run here. There's a clear path for Tyree Kill to win this award, and this could be, I believe, the first time since 2012 where Adrian Peterson won the award as a non-quarterback. Um, in terms of offensive player of the year, this is really for the best offensive player that's not quarterback. I would say right now, Tyree Kill and McCaffrey are the favorites. Um, Swin, probably it's going to go to one of those two guys. Of course. I mean, we just saw McCaffrey's touchdown streak go to an end the other day. Uh, just the way he opens up that 49ers offense. But I, I think that, the, I mean, I'm going to go with the favorite here, which I typically don't like to do, but Tyreek Hill should win this easily. I mean, we all see the numbers he's putting up. I mean, or give or take at, at the midpoint of the season. I mean, he already has a thousand yards over that. Plus he already has a lot more touchdowns than some teams quite frankly. So I, I Tyree Kill is the clear winner here unless he 
not if uh, God forbid he gets hurt in some way. Yeah, I'd like to throw another name here in AJ Brown. Um, obviously had that streak of over 125 receiving yards, but has also been doing it all for his team. And I feel that I mean, if Tyreek Hill wins MVP, he's gonna win Offensive uh, Player of the Year. He's gonna win at least one of those awards this year. Um, moving into Defensive Player of the Year, this is also interesting. Um, a tight race at the top. You got Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, having a great year. You can go with a guy like Micah Parsons as well if you want. And then you've got um, Geno Stone from the Ravens, who's already at six interceptions this year. Swin, who do you have as your front runner here? So, like you said, you you got the uh, defensive player of the year in the past, TJ Watt. You got Miles Garrett, who is just absolutely dominant. I mean, you can't block that guy. Um, one guy, you know, if I were to take a step back and go with someone who's not the favorite but very impactful, is I think Max Crosby should be in this conversation. Uh, if he wasn't on the Raiders, who are absolutely terrible, I think that he would definitely be up there with the likes of Garrett and Watt. Uh, I like Miles Garrett, but I wouldn't be surprised if Max Crosby pulls this off the way he's been playing. I mean, game plans, he affects how quarterbacks play. Quarterbacks think about him because he's tough, he's physical, he hits hard. So quarterbacks are definitely thinking about Max Crosby when they're game planning and when they're playing the Raiders. Yeah, Max Crosby as a dark horse candidate is definitely a really, really good pick there, Swin. Um, I agree. I think it's going to go with one of the AFC North guys in Garrett or Watt. I'd probably lead Garrett right now um, just because Watt won it last year. You know, recency, stuff like that with awards. That's typically um, plays a role in that. But another guy who isn't going to win it just because he's not going to have the numbers but is extremely impactful on the defensive end. And I think one of the more underrated players in the league is Chris Jones of the Chiefs, who have had a really, really good defense this year. And that's probably the reason why they've been okay while the Chiefs' offense is still figuring out. They only have two offensive touchdowns um, in their past, like, 14 quarters or something like that. But I agree. It's going to be one of Garrett. If the voting was today, I'd vote Miles Garrett. But I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if, if the Browns start to flounder um, and so do the Steelers and maybe the Raiders make a mini run and Max Crosby has, like, nine or ten sacks down the stretch here, that's definitely a possibility. And then Coach of the Year, um, this year's always a right, it's always a difficult award to pick. Do you go with the coach that's clearly one of the top coaches in the league and has a steady team year in a year out? Or where it usually goes to the team that's exceeded expectations most of this for the year and you know you have to give me that guy. I there's a number of guys that can go with here, Swin. Um right now who do you like? Uh, there are three names that stand out to me. Uh, first of all, I mean, this is the case for every year. He's not going to win it because it's just an expectation that his team finishes over 500. But Mike Tomlin should always be in the conversation. I mean, he's taken some really bad teams to some winning records in the past, especially Kenny Pickett, who really only plays well in the fourth quarter. And then you had Big Ben towards the tail end of his career where he wasn't really as effective as he was, but he still found a way to make a 500-team better. Campbell, what he's done with the Lions, I mean, I mean, you, we all seen that the Lions have sucked for a decade, even with Matthew Stafford. Just to see what he's built over the past three years has been really fun to watch, and, and I just like him as a coach overall, but my pick is D'Amico Ryans. 
I mean, the Texans have been god-awful. They've cycled through coach after coach after coach and coordinator after coordinator over the past couple of years. And they, they've gone through their quarterback carousel as well. And they finally found a pair that works with D'Amico, Ryans, and Stroud. And, and they're winning tough games. They just beat the Bengals last week. I mean, he's putting them in a real position to win. And, and you know, they've delivered. So I think D'Amico, Ryans should win it. I think Dan, they'll probably give it to Dan Campbell, but Ryan should definitely take home this award, if not this year. Definitely. Yeah, I think there's, you know, again, those two categories that can divide people up to. I like D'Amico Ryan's as well. I think if he, you know, is able to get a playoff spot, if they don't falter down the stretch here, they're in the playoffs right now, then that's looking like a really good spot for him to win the award. Dan Campbell as well. If he gets a top two seed in the NFC, that's going to be a hard spot. Not to give him to him. Um, and then you look at, right, the guys with longevity here. You could go John Harbaugh in Baltimore, who if they clinch the one seed, it's going to be hard not to give it to him. It's going to be hard to not give it to Mike Tomlin if they're top five seed with the roster that they have. Um, and then, like, even a guy like Kyle Shannon, if the Niners, are, again, make a mini run, Brock Purdy plays really well, Kyle Shannon should get his dues at some point. And then I also like this pick. If you know, if there's chaos in the AFC, which there could be, if the Chiefs start to lose, if the Ravens start to lose, and if the Dolphins prove that they aren't frauds, Mike McDaniel is not a bad spot here. I think it's going to go to Dan Campbell. Right now, he he's that team where it is with all the you know history that the Lions have. He should win it. Um, but again, if D'Amico Ryan's makes a late push, it's probably going to be between those two guys. Um, so that's our midseason NFL awards conversation for the time being. We'll do another one as we get closer to the awards. We'll predict them at, you know, probably in the later weeks of the season. But with that, let's hand you a segment that we haven't done for a while. Quick hits where we're just going to give one, we're going to give three topics here. I've got three topics listed and Swin and I are each going to give one word on what we think about, you know, said topic, give a little backstory of why we think this and stuff like that. So. First off, we're going to start in the NBA with the in-season tournament, something we haven't really talked about. The stages of group play, then you go into knockouts. Um, those count as regular season games up until the semis and the finals, which do not count as regular season games and will be played in Las Vegas. So it's a little confusing. But Swin, what's your one word to describe the in-season tournament or I guess technically the NBA Cup this year? surprising as was my one word just because of i expected players to kind of mail it in i thought myself that the whole concept was everybody's time and, and players weren't really going to play for it because you know a lot of players are really focused on the nba finals in in june but I, i've seen players play hard they look competitive it's I mean, even the crowds into it, it's it's almost like a playoff atmosphere here in November, and I'm I'm shocked. I mean, even I'm interested in some of these games that, that don't really matter. So uh, I'm surprised that the success this is. Um, yeah, I think the players have definitely started taking a little bit more seriously. They know there's obviously money on the line. I want to say it's 500000 or a million um, I think it's a million per player and then 500000 for the coaches. But my word is different. Um, 
I I'm I'm not gonna lie. I didn't like the concept when I when it came out. I still don't really like the concept. I think it's confusing. I think it's awkward. I think it's not really North American sports like. Um, also like a couple of the courts that they've rolled out to. And I don't know if you've gotten the chance to look at like the Bulls court, but it's just bright red. It's almost in, in, unbearable to watch a game at. And then even the Celtics floor, which you kind of look at, oh, it's that parquet floor, you know, with the wood in it. It looks nice, and it's been like that for you know, so many years, and they have 17 titles using the parquet floor, and then you kind of see it with just the green strip from lane to lane is a little off-putting for me. Um, that just might be a traditionalist point of view, but in terms of just like the the concept itself, I'd say different. I agree some of the players are taking it more seriously, and it's fun, I guess, but I, I just don't really know. Like me, I don't really need it for myself. Um, especially the group stages, there's still football going on. I've I've got enough to watch. I get that maybe the players need a boost, but I, I think different is the word that I would use right now. Uh, for sure. Uh, some of these courts are, um, they make it really difficult to watch. I mean, like you said, the Bulls court, I mean, it, it just looks like they threw a, a bucket of paint on the court and and, you know, kind of rolled with it. One thing I will say, too, like a money grab for the NBA. You know how it works. They get new jerseys for it, new merchandise, uh, new T-shirts with the new logos. So I, I think it was a little over the top in that aspect of it. But, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I was a little caught off guard, too, when I didn't see the parquet on the Celtics floor. I mean, I was hesitant when you saw them on social media and stuff like that. When I looked at the Celtics court on the TV, I was like, oh, something different. That's it's cool. It didn't really make me that excited. I, I think they should have just taken that out and left the, the courts alone. And, and you know, I heard J.J. Reddick say a joke, too. Is this, So they, they got the like the NBA Cup, I guess it's called, in the center logo. And um, he was taking a jab at the Clippers saying, why is there a trophy in the center of the court? The Clippers have never won anything. And, I, you know, they're not – it's so true, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen for them anytime soon anyway. But I, I don't I don't think that they needed to do that with the courts. I think they should have just left them. You think in the aspect of the whole trophy and the different patterns and colors and stuff like that. Yeah, um – yeah, I, I like, you know, I like seeing the circle. I like seeing the logo at center court. That's all. That's always been something that I've enjoyed, you know, from the entertainment aspect. And you see that kind of gone. As you said, just the bucket of paint it is just something. It At the end of the day, like the NBA, the NBA in-season tournament doesn't make me any more excited to watch basketball. Um, I don't watch a lot of basketball. I'll watch the Celtics and I'll watch a couple of nationally televised games, but at this point of the year where we have football and other and hockey going on and stuff like that, I just don't really, it, it doesn't get me excited. Um, let's stay with the hard trade. Uh, let's stay with the NBA with your great segue from the Clippers into the hard trade. Um, one word that I would use to describe the James Harden trade right now is a bust. Um, Tyrese Maxey's dropping 50 points and is probably on his way to an all NBA season. Meanwhile, the Clippers are own forces training for James Harden. And Swin, I don't know if you saw this clip of James Harden taking Russell Westbrook out of the game with about, you know, two minutes left in a close game and Russell Westbrook kind of getting a little upset on the bench. That's something to monitor in the future. There's a lot of ball-dominant players on that team, man. 
that's something to watch out for. I, I think the Clippers will rebound at some point um, just because, you know, James Harden is a good player and once they start to figure it out. But I think it's right now it's kind of undebatable that James Harden, wherever he goes, it's like outside of Houston, it's like the team just starts losing. You saw it in Brooklyn. You saw it in Philly. They're much better off without him. I don't, they were the one seed in the East. I don't know if they still have it. But now with the Clippers, they can't win a game. So right now I call it a bust for the Clippers. I think it was a necessary move to, for them to make. But I, I, I just don't know at this point. Uh, if I had one word, um, I would probably say um, expected. Uh, I figured this was going to happen. It's the typical Clippers. I mean, they just can never seem to get a rare's. There's only one ball. Um, I think he's a good coach, but I think Tyron Lou is definitely on the hot seat. And, and if this season doesn't end well, I can see him getting fired. It's just a disaster over there. Um, you know, you saw Harden airball a clutch three-pointer, which um, put them to 0-4, 0-5 maybe, uh, since the Harden trade. And you would think, and um, one thing that stood out to me, and, you know, I didn't really think about this until it was said on national TV, but you heard one of these reporters, you know, directly kind of talk to James in a sense, right? And, and, and I'll just sum it up real quick. He was like, you went to Houston, a guy that believed in you a lot. You failed. You moved on. Then you went to Brooklyn. You didn't even stay for more than a year. You moved on. You went to Philly. You complained that even with an MVP as a, you know, kind of co-tandem, I guess you could say, and then you left, and then you you complained your way to the Clippers, and it happened again. But, you know, it's that whole theory about the, the college roommate. You, you know, some people keep saying they have bad college roommates, and, and, and this is the example he used. And, and, you know, maybe it's time to realize that maybe you're the problem. You're the bad college roommate in this case. And, you know, it, it's shown to be. And it's just, I mean, look at what Philadelphia has done. They've taken off since he's left. Um, I can't say the same for Brooklyn because, you know, Durant and Harden and Irving left. But it, it's it's clear that he's the problem. He's selfish. He wants to do what he wants to do. He wants stats. He's he wants points, rebounds, assists, just like he was in his prime down in Houston. So I didn't expect this to work, so I can't say I'm. Yeah, and and everything that you mentioned, I, I have to agree with as well. Um, it, It's become a trend at this point. And then with our last one word, we'll go into baseball for a little bit with, you know, one of the biggest free agents in recent memory, and he would be if he had, had to get Tommy John surgery. But – Shohei Otani, right? Reports come out. He's willing to do a shorter-term deal with a larger AAV to maybe get another big deal in the future once he can prove that he can pitch again, which in that case would bring a lot more teams into the mix. You could have some small market teams there as well. Um, Swin, what's one word you would use to describe just the Shohei market there or the Shohei market, the Shohei free agent market? I'm not showing you the player because we all know, you know, the word that you could use would be unique, unicorn, stuff like that. But in terms of just the market right now. Uh, I would say boring. 
and and this is this is probably surprising to you, knowing that I'm I'm such a big baseball fan myself. But you know, you obviously have the big market teams: the Dodgers, the Rangers, the Red Sox, the Yankees. Blah 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 blah. Uh, you know, maybe in a couple months when the winter meetings start, I'll be more invested in it. But for now, the season just ended. As you mentioned with other sports, you got the NBA, NFL, the um, NFL playoffs shortly around the corner and, and some teams starting to get, uh, you know, making that push. But one thing I will say is I was surprised to hear that. Well, actually, I'm not really surprised knowing that he was on the Angels and, you know, he was in Anaheim and L.A. and But he's not really looking for a team based on geography you know he wants to win he wants a good roster around him so as Mike Trout and him done for the Angels for years don't really have to carry the team so I wasn't surprised by that but I don't think I'm really going to be interested until we get a little further down the line and deeper into free agency because I'm sure his negotiations are going to take a very long time yeah, um, I think, you know, we're obviously still early in the process, but I think my word would be historic. Um, I don't think you're going to see a guy, you know, who's really is probably going to win his second AL MVP. He already has one that's unanimous. Is going to hit the market at a short-term rate, which could bring in, you know, even all 30 teams outside the Angels. He's obviously not going to go back there. Um, a guy that probably should have been traded at the trade deadline wasn't. So this this is truly like gonna be a one once in a lifetime thing that we're gonna see here. And I think obviously you'll have the Dodgers in play, and that's the odds on betting favorite right now. And you might have right now the Cubs. I don't hate the Cubs as a team to watch out for in these sweepstakes, by the way. But even a team like Seattle, especially at a short term value, he I wouldn't be shocked to see him go there. Um Really just a number. There's so much that can happen with Shohei Otani. Does he go for the shorter term deal, the longer term deal, which would, you know, knock out some teams? Do the big market teams, do the Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, do the Red Sox come into play here? Is he going to value history playing at Wrigley or Fenway over playing at, you know, Citizens Bank Park in New York with the Mets? Like, or excuse me, with the Phillies. Obviously a team that he's probably not going to go to, but... All these things are just so in play. That that's what makes it extremely interesting for me because he he's he, it, it, you don't you don't see an international superstar like Shohei Otani go to free agency and be this coveted in a North American sport that often, and um, it's gonna be really really thrilling when we watch. With that, let's move into quick pick. Um, last week, Swin went nine and five. I went ten and four. My overall record is 101 and 49, 50 and 22 since Swin got here. Swin is 47 25. He went 1 and 1 fantasy, bring his record at 5 and 5. I went 2 and 0, bring my record at 13 7. The Patriots are 2 and 8. With that, let's head into Thursday night football with the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Ravens. Great game, big AFC North battle on Amazon Prime. I like the Bengals here to bounce back. Seems like a good spot. I'm also going to go the Bengals this week. I think that they're motivated. they got to win this game to really bump them into that play on the road. 
Pittsburgh taking on Cleveland in Cleveland. Uh, two AFC, big AFC North games starting right off, and everybody in the division is over 500. I like Pittsburgh here. I think that they're... You know, defensive style of the football. This is going to be a slog of a game. Like, this game's not going to go over 17 to 14 max. Um, I I just think that Pittsburgh right now is enough to beat Cleveland. And I think the bigger question is, who's going to make less turnovers? Deshaun Watson or Kenny Pickett? I think that Cleveland's going to ride the momentum that they took on the road in Baltimore. I mean, it was a tough game to start, but they really bounced back. I think they're going to continue that momentum. And beat the Steelers at home, but it's it's gonna be a really tough game. Then we've got the Raiders traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Raiders have won two in a row. You, you know they're starting to feel it. Maybe Miami's gonna dominate this team off the bye. I would like to think that the Raiders are playing. I mean, teams that just aren't that great. Uh, I I just think the Dolphins, just talent wise, are just better. So I'm I'm gonna go Miami. Then you got another game that could be a blowout in Detroit with the Bears traveling to take on the Lions. Lions by a hundred. Yeah, it's it's. I'm pretty confidently gonna say the Lions. The Bears' quarterback has turnover issues. I mean, that whole offense is just a mess. The Lions continued to show us they're not frauds. They're beating good teams. Give. Then we've got the Titans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville here. Um, I think people are talking about Miami as a fraud, but it might be time to start thinking that Jacksonville's a fraud as well. But they should beat the Titans. I'm going to go with the uh, the Jags as well. I mean, they just look terrible. I think they bounce back. They're still at home. I, I just, I'm not really bought into tennis. And then we've got the Chargers taking on the Packers at Lambeau. I like the Chargers here. Um, it just seems like the Packers have a couple too many issues right now. Lambeau's a tough place to play, I think. Even though they lost another close game, I, I think I think Herbert pulls this one out. I, I think the Chargers take this one off. Then Arizona taking on the Houston Texans. And what I think is going to be actually a very fun game to watch. Houston obviously looks, looks great under CJ Stroud. Big win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Going into Cincy and getting that win too is impressive. This feels like a spot where a young team's going to let you down. So I'm going to take the Cardinals here, but it's not without a little uh, bit of Tim in this. I am tempted myself to take the Cardinals, but I'm going to go with Houston. As you mentioned, big road win against Cincinnati, a, a team that's going to the playoffs. That's caught my attention. That's caught my respect. Then we've got the Cowboys taking on the Panthers. Cowboys by 100. Again, like this should be a blowout. This on this game. I mean, we've seen what the Cowboys are doing. Uh, Carolina is terrible. Give me the Cowboys. And then we've got the Giants taking on Washington, in which might be the toilet bowl game of the week. I like Washington here. The Giants might be the worst team in the league, which is saying something. Yeah, the Giants aren't good. I mean, you've seen the Commanders play the Eagles tough. They've played um, the Patriots tough, which isn't saying much. But they've played a lot of teams tough this year. 
give me the Commanders here. I I think that win this one. Then we've got the Bucks taking on the Niners in San Francisco. San Francisco looks like they ride the ship last week. I like the Niners here. San Fran's gonna continue the hot hand. I'm gonna go. Then we got the Jets taking on the Bills. I like the Bills here. It seems like two teams that are just reeling, grasping at something to grab onto. I like Buffalo right here, um, but not without a little bit of worry. You saw the Jets beat the Bills week one. I just I have a tough time seeing Zach Wilson go into Orchard Park beating the Bills, especially as the weather up there starts to become a factor. I'm going to take the Bills here. And then Seattle taking on the Rams in L.A. The Rams always play Seattle tough. I'm really tempted to take the Rams here, but it could be Carson Wentz. It could be you know somebody else instead of Matt Stafford at quarterback. So I'm going to take the Seahawks here, but this is going to be a hard-fought game. Sneaky good game here. I, I would lean more towards Seattle here, which I'm going to take Geno and the Seahawks. It looked, they looked good. Uh, I just injuries for the Rams really make me nervous. Like Kyron Williams, who's expected to be back next week. And, you know, as you mentioned, the quarterback play, I'm going to go Seattle here. I think that. Then we've got Minnesota Denver on Sunday night football, which actually is not going to be a back game to watch. Actually is going to be a little bit fun. I like the Vikings here. I kind of want to pick Denver because they look like they're kind of on riding something, but the, Vikings have a bigger winning streak, and they they look like a change team with Josh Jobs there. I'm gonna go Minnesota as well. I mean, Josh Jobs has been impressive. It's it's unbelievable what he's doing over there. Uh, rumors to potentially getting Justin Jefferson back. He's he was activated for his twenty twenty one day window to come back. Uh, if they have him back, they'll definitely win. But I think they win. Then we've got. The greatest Monday night game of the season with a Super Bowl rematch between the Eagles and the Chiefs. If this is in Philly, I'm taking Philly, but I'm going to take Kansas City here. They're both off a bye, but I Mahomes and Kelsey will get up for this game. It's against Kelsey's brother, you know, whatever. I think the Chiefs win this one. I think the Eagles win this one. I'm going against you here, Perry. Uh, I think they're just... I I believe they're the better team. Um, who knows if if anybody wants it might change my answer, but I think I'm gonna go the the Eagles here regardless. Teams on by this week: the Patriots, the Colts, the Saints, and the Falcons. Breakout and bust for the week. My breakout: Marquise Brown of the Arizona Cardinals. I think he's gonna have a good game against that Houston secondary. I think that's gonna be a shootout. And then my bust: Rashad White from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he's gonna have a hard time against that Niners defense. Uh, my breakout this week, going to be a boring game, but the Giants are terrible. I'm going to go scary Terry McLaurin here for the Commanders. I think he's going to have a good game. He's one to watch out for. And my bust is actually going to be Najee Harris. I think Cleveland, you know, Miles Garrett and Cleveland, they have a tough run defense. Uh, I can see potential for him running the ball a lot, but I just don't think the Steelers' offense is that good. 
With that, that will do it for this episode. Again, guys, thank you for listening. Please visit our website, www.frontballparksandbuzzbeers.com. Our Instagram is there. Our Twitter is there. Our, our X, I guess, our X is there. And our Gmail is there. Guys, please email or DM us any positive or negative feedback, segment ideas, predictions. Maybe you even want to be on the show. Let us know what you think about our quick picks. Maybe you think we're wrong. Maybe you want to pick a big upset like the Panthers over the Cowboys. But thank you guys for listening. As always, I'm Paramore Zero, signing out with the From Ballparks to Buzzbeer Sports Site, a court sportscast. Whoa, alongside Ryan Swinmer. Have a good one, everybody.